Welcome. How do you like that intro? I just came up with that little fun project because here's the thing. The platform I use to host my podcast, Anchor, had all of these sounds you could use as a lead-in, as an intro, and I was using one that was the symbol swell for the longest time. My episodes that were Queen Deep Dives started with that swell of that symbol, and I loved it because it was simple. I love symbols. I'm all about percussion. And then they got rid of it. They completely overhauled their library. And so I ended up trying to do something else. And I thought I would have some fun today, and I literally just threw that together. Plus, that chord that it ends on is a sixth chord. I've talked about sixth chords and how much I love them. So I had to end on a sixth chord. But anyway, that is your little uh, music theory (laughs) for the day. Welcome to my podcast. This is Charlie Tate. I'm so excited. This is the question we're going to answer today. Is hot space a hot mess or is it just hot? Is it just hot? I am talking about, of course, Queen's 10th album, their huge shift into the dance genre. Some might say disco. Maybe not so much these days. I think back then, when the album came out, the word disco was dropped quite a bit. And I don't think the guys were very fond of that, based on reactions I've seen, read, heard in interviews. But here's the thing about Hot Space, you guys. A lot of misconceptions about this album, and I'm not talking about people's opinions. I'm talking about what people assume is fact. I'm talking about what people assume was a really, really rough, almost fully destructive time in Queen's career. I'm talking about these assumptions that were made or are continually made, even to this day, based on quotes taken entirely out of context. And I can say that confidently because I can tell you right now, when I was reading about this album in summary, and I was researching it everywhere, and I went to the depths of everywhere to try to learn as much as I could about Hot Space, I discovered that there are multiple instances where a quote is cited as having proved something. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. You have to go back, listen to, read the whole thing from the original interview in which the comment was said. Otherwise, everything gets misconstrued. Anyway, I'm quite passionate about this. So we finished up Queen's ninth album, Flash Gordon, which, as I said, summarized, I don't really consider it to be your typical Queen album. So anytime I'm talking about Queen's albums going forward, I'm probably going to omit Flash Gordon in my references, unless I'm, of course, talking about something creatively. But when it comes to rankings, when it comes to success of an album, I'm probably going to exclude Flash. I'm just saying. That is my opinion. That's how I'm going to do it. This is how we do it. All right. Here we go. Hot space. I am kicking off Queen's 10th album. This is not a Queen Deep Dive. Not really. I have my Queen Deep Dives. Every single song is a deep dive. This is not one of those. I am simply kicking off Hot space. And this is going to be quite interesting. I have so many facts. I have a lot of quotes here. 
And we have a lot to discuss because, again, a lot of false facts, if you want to say it that way, things that even surprised me, things that surprised me a lot. I I was entirely sure I understood where the sentiment was when it came to the guys and this album. And I don't think I was right. I think I was wrong, at least partially wrong in some cases. But anyway, yes, hot space. I'll tell you guys what I think about it at the end as we get through all of the facts and all of the quotes and all that jazz. And I'm sure I will divulge a little bit as we go through this, because this is a major shift in pretty much every way. So excluding Flash Gordon, (laughs) the previous album was, of course, Queen's 1980 album, The Game, right? They took rhythm-driven, funkier sounds to new heights with that album, with massive success. They were at the top of the world with The Game, more than ever in a lot of respects. Albums, singles, flying off the shelves all around the world. The guys are playing out to massive crowds everywhere. This was a huge, what some thought was a huge stylistic genre gamble that paid off massively so. Absolutely stunning success the guys had with the game. And on that album was, of course, the one and only Another One Bites the Dust, a John Deacon contribution which took so many countries by storm, catapulted the guys to superstardom in ways I don't think they ever thought they would see, even at that point in their career, which was hugely successful. So to say they had a lot of success with this stylistic turn with the game was an understatement. Yeah, they lost some fans even with the game. It wasn't rock enough, but they did it anyway, and they did it really well. So fast forward. To 1982. 1982, the guys drop this Hot Space. Album 10 released May 21st in the UK and May 25th in the US, pretty much the same day. It was recorded September of 81 through March of 82 at Mountain and Musicland Studios. That's Montreux, Switzerland and Munich, Germany, to be specific. Through most of the end of 81, though, the guys were touring Venezuela, Mexico. So there was another gap here, similar to the game, which was done in chunks. There were some chunks of recording done for Hot Space throughout 1981 and the beginning of 82. Here's where it gets interesting. We're going to talk about why This happened, but here's where it gets interesting. This album charted at number four in the UK. All right? Number four. That's really respectable. But it only charted at number 22 in the US. Some context. This is 1982. The last time the guys charted so low in the US was with Queen 2. Their album Queen 2, released in 1974, which hit number 49. That's the last time the guys charted solo in the U.S. But the album was number one on the Dutch and Austrian charts. Pick that little bit out for you. Interesting countries where they loved 
hot space. But what about this album made it so different? Why was the response so different? Let's go into the band comments first. Before we start talking about the change of style here, I want to spin this a little bit. I think usually I lead into this with a summary of the album and what it meant for the guys in their catalog, but I want to do the band comments first. There is a notable absence of anything from Freddie, and that is very much due to Paul Printer's denying press inquiries, supposedly saying, F off to the press. Or more specifically, Freddie says F off to the press. Now, if you've seen the film Bohemian Rhapsody, then you've seen how Paul Prenter was portrayed. That it was very obvious that most everyone around him didn't like him and his attitude. There is some truth to Paul trying to isolate Freddie from everyone else. It's not spoken about very much, but I don't think that's entirely fabricated. I think there is some truth to that, or at least the pushing into a particular direction, perhaps, which would just add to, if there was any friction there after so many years together, it would add to it. Obviously, it's dramatized, dramatized. It's, it is probably exaggerated, but there is some truth to that. And statements like that, I think, make it very clear that Paul was trying to isolate Freddie in some fashion, not just from the guys, but from the press and perhaps from the public too, which is a shame because when I see Freddie in those interviews from, you know, 74, 75, 76, he is so charming and wonderful. And he does give interviews later. But obviously, things have changed at that point. They've changed for all the guys. And I just wish we'd had more comments from Freddie at this time. Now, Brian, from the book, Queen As It Began, he talks about the making of this album, Hot Space. And he said, quote, Another one bites the dust. And Dragon Attack on the game album both showed a trend towards more rhythmic Rock and Hot Space became almost totally oriented that way. Freddie in particular was keen to explore that avenue to the extreme. Unquote. In Detroit Free Press in 1982, Roger said, quote, We have to do what keeps our interest up. We never tried to pander to what we feel people want. A lot of people want to hear rehashes of what they liked in the past, but that would be death for us. That's really unfair because we have changed a lot. Quote, comments later in 84 with faces, Brian referred to Hot Space as, quote, a very rhythmic and sparse area, disciplining out all the indulgences we've been used to putting in. We felt our fans would take it as another experiment, but we found we'd stepped out at last from the music people felt they could expect from us. Unquote. He'd elaborate more later, claiming it wasn't necessarily the material, but the timing of its release that doomed the album Hot Space. Also in 84, in the Jim Ladd interview, Roger said, quote, we had an album Hot Space. I have to interject here and say, I find it really funny that two years after the album's release, he says we had an album Hot Space. Okay, continuing. 
which we thought was a sort of step in a direction. I think it was a step in the wrong direction. It was, I thought, not one of our most enjoyable albums for me, unquote. In that same interview, he mentioned John's Another One Bites the Dust and how it pushed the boys in the dance direction. Quote, I think that was the song that catapulted us into taking that road. I think we went too far and did too much. Everybody in the band feels that way now. Everybody in the band feels that way now. Let's think about that comment for a second. Everybody in the band feels that way now. That comment would have been made in 84. This album came out in 82. So at the time of the album being made, the guys were more in agreement. We're going to talk about that more as we get into this, but that implies that there was a shift in attitude toward the album from the guys themselves and how they thought about it and how they felt about it after the fact. And we'll get into that some more. Now back to the comments Roger made in that 84 interview. Notice he doesn't actually say anything about John pushing the idea for more dance disco on hot space. And I mentioned that specifically for a very big reason. Wikipedia, in the summary, alludes to this quote as though John pushed hot space, as though John was the one driving the direction of hot space. It takes it entirely out of context. That is a perfect example of something that has been basically assumed as fact, which I think is a really bad thing to assume. Now, in 85, with the hit, we have a rare comment from John. (gasps) Mr. Disco Deaky. He said, quote, we were disappointed with it too, I think. So we really did talk about how we were going to attack the next album, unquote. Now, given all of these comments and everything else I've seen, there's a darling interview that Brian and Roger did in Vienna. And it is so adorable. It's so funny. The comments on YouTube are some of the best ever, actually. Anyway, I've heard interviews. I've read them about this. I've seen all these comments. I think all the boys went in on the same sheet of music here, literally. I don't think anyone felt too slighted at the time, but they all agree in retrospect, it was too far. Obviously, because of the comments from press, because of the reaction from fans, et cetera, et cetera. Now, Brian has specifically said in other comments that I've read that he thought it was a rock dance blend that was way ahead of its time, hot space, as opposed to the general public that felt it was way behind its time. Now, Brian also made that comment that he thought the timing was bad. That was a different interview. He said he thought the timing of the release of Hot Space was bad because it put the guys in a light that felt old and already antiquated because disco was a dirty word back then in 1982 and in subsequent years to follow. I think now, I mean, I love disco. I love classic, good old disco music. A lot of dance music, even contemporary 
R&B like dance, chill out underground hip hop music is driven by disco trends. So don't tell me disco is dead. (laughs) It's changed just like everything else has. But I love a classic disco song, but back then that was a big no, no, no. And so what the guys did here, and this is where I want to dig into what they did. They took a concept, Another One Bites the Dust, which was quite funk, minimal, sparse, dance-inspired. Yes, absolutely. They took a concept and they ran with it and they dialed it up to 11 on Hot Space. They drew way back. They pulled the reins back on the aggressive guitar, not all the way. On the really loud, big, bombastic drums that I do love so much and I miss so much here, they went in on a much more funk, dance, rock approach. Very minimal. I would say in a lot of ways, much more radio-ready in retrospect. Yes. There are so many numbers here that on the right channel, on the right station, on the radio, some of these singles, these songs could have absolutely soared. Some of these are so relaxing and catchy. The guys, they still write catchy and always have. This is just different. So the the stations, the DJs, the people that were used to playing Queen, of course they weren't going to be on this. But I'm telling you, if this had been in the right place at the right time, this would have been absolutely rocking, jiving, dancing. Maybe that's more appropriate to say. And if I'm on it, well, okay. I don't want to tell you too much about my opinion about this until we get to the end. But needless to say, the guys saw something and they ran with it. And again, I don't think at the time anybody was all huffy and puffy about this. I think maybe there was some a little bit of hesitation based on reactions and attitudes. I think especially Roger was disappointed that some of these drum machines were starting to appear at the forefront, although he did do, he did do the programming on those. Here's the other interesting thing. And this is where my my ideas, my thoughts around this are, are, were so different than they are now based on what I've read. I was under the impression that Hot Space was something that Freddie and John were all about. John especially because John very much leans more toward that sort of soul, funk, pop vibe, that jive, right? But it turns out, based on other things I've seen, John may have not has been as big a fan. I can't even talk. John may have not been as big a fan of Hot Space as I initially thought he would be. Because when you look at his contributions to the songs, he's, he's not even giving us as much as Mr. John Deacon, this incredible bassist. Yes, he picks up other instruments, just like they all do on this album and have done for many albums going all the way back in the catalog here. But when you think about John's contributions to Hot Space, there are some brilliant moments, don't get me wrong. They all have brilliant, fantastic, mind-blowing moments here because that's always the case with Queen. But John's actually diminished a little bit in the background here. And it seems like of all people, if I was gonna say two guys may have felt slighted, it would be Roger and John not Roger and Brian. Because there are plenty 
of digging, gritty, bluesy guitar riffs and rocking moments here on Hot Space, despite the fact that people love to focus on the dance part of this album. So that's where we are here. The guys were in a different headspace, a hot space, and they ran with it. Let's talk about critics and fan sentiment here. This is going to get interesting. This was the first Queen album to incorporate drum machines on a large scale. Don't forget the syndrome, which was introduced in 76. It was in Fun It, which Roger also played live in Get Down, Make Love. He used the syndrome in Get Down, Make Love. The inclusion of a more dance rock style impressed some critics. Record Mirror wrote, quote, new styles and a whole new sense of values. You'll love Hot Space eventually, unquote. Sounds gave them a backhanded compliment with, quote, Queen have never made particularly blinding albums, but you'll have to agree that Hot Space shows more restraint and imagination than tripe like jazz. Unquote. Here's my favorite from NME. Quote, the production of the whole album is really a peach. Is really a peach. Unquote. American rock stations, historically very eager to play Queen, didn't know what to do with this. DJs tossed it out. No listeners were anxious to hear anything from it. Detroit Free Press in 82 focused on a single release from the album in an article rather than the album itself, attempting to, I think, dismiss lower album sales, that sadness around that, by focusing instead on the variety of Queen songs and their ambitions. The most notable comment being, quote, Queen can never be accused of playing formula rock, unquote. Now, Washington Post wrote, quote, Hot Space, is Queen's most mature work to date, featuring what fellow rocker Rick Derringer was moved to call a normal Queen side and a Queen gets weird side. The normal Queen side displays the melody-making talent of Brian May at his best and the hit-making instincts of John Deacon, Freddie Mercury, and Roger Taylor at their most acute. The weird side can best be described as réchauffé disco a term that means rehashed or warmed up, in case you didn't know. This is mesmerizing stuff, almost totally physical in its presentation, unquote. The fans. Let's talk about fan sentiment. Despite some fans' distaste for this wild and seemingly strange new direction for Queen, many love the sound of this album on stage, live even body language. And that's because when the guys played this live, they gave it more depth and weight. There was more grit there because Roger's playing the, the live drums. Brian's got his guitar. More of the melodies are coming from the guys on stage as opposed to lots and lots of synthesizers. In 2011, The Guardian wrote that on Hot Space, quote, Disco had mutated into the weird, skeletal, dubby electronic sound pioneered by DJ Larry Levin, which really didn't suit Queen at all. It would be lovely to report that Hot Space is a lost classic, its lowly reputation a result of snobbery, but it isn't, 
unquote. In 2016, Louder Sound placed this at number 14, ranking Queen's albums from worst to best, calling this Queen's slightly misguided attempt to break into the dance market. And while they had the musical chops to carry this off, the whole thing comes across as a patchwork, inconsistent record. Fans? (sighs) Consistently divided. Old and young. Let's talk about the fans and what they think about this album. Almost exclusively from fans who've been with the band since the beginning or from close to the beginning, this was not a liked album. I have seen very few people come in and say, yeah, when I got this record at the store and I went home and I popped this in, I was like, yes. Most of them say it was a big surprise. Not at all what they were thinking they were going to hear. Despite the fact, and I feel like I should mention this up front before we get into anything further, under pressure. Of course, the, what many call the gem and the saving grace of hot space, which was done with the wonderful late David Bowie, was released as a single before hot space came out in 82. Okay? So people did have a little bit of an inkling, hey, Queen are doing something kind of different. But it's interesting, nobody, nobody expected this. I don't think this was anything anyone was thinking they were going to get. And so many fans, if they didn't completely dislike this or hate it, they were very confused. Now, those same people who didn't know what to do with this at first chime in now and say, I can get into this. I can enjoy this. It's not the same as Queen's other work, but yes, I can enjoy this. Fans who pick up on this now, fans that come to Queen new, new fans, younger fans, this seems to be a really well-liked album. And it's because that feeling, that, that stale feeling of disco that was so in the air everywhere in the early 80s is not present now. So people now, their perspective is entirely different I think a lot of these younger listeners are used to things very, they're being very dance infused. There's no, that's not a, it's not a weird thing. It's not a strange thing. It's just a normal thing. So this is actually an album that I think for younger fans, people who've come to the Queen fandom later say, hey, I kind of dig this. I kind of like it. And I find it very interesting that it's still a very polarizing album. Yes, it is the album that I think is most controversial simply because people are so divided. I've talked about songs where people are divided and polarized. There's Don't Try Suicide, Tie Your Mother Down, uh, I'm In Love With My Car. You know, all of these songs that have, they're either way over the top very tongue-in-cheek. There's a lot of humor behind the messages. Queen have always told us not to take them too seriously. Those songs are very polarizing. And people will say, I hate that. I can't do it. I can't listen to it. I just thought of another one. Get Down, Make Love. I love that song. I love it. (laughs) I love it so much. I love the instrumentation in that song. Anyway, Hot Space as a whole is the most polarizing thing in Queen's catalog. And I think it's the most written about album. It is the most talked about album. It's the most debated simply because you're always going to have the people who say, I can't stand this or I absolutely love this. 
I don't think there's anything in between. I, 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 if people say they kind of like it, I think that still means they generally don't care for it. So people either say they really hate this and they don't get it and it's the lowest album, it's lower than Flash Gordon if they include it in their rankings, or people say they think this is great. I've seen plenty of fans rank this in their top five. So there you go. In a nutshell, a kind of a big nutshell, a snapshot of what Queen fandom thinks of Hot Space. It's still extremely divisive, even to this day. Fun facts about Hot Space. It was produced by Queen and Mac, Reinhold Mack, who's been with them for an album or two now, and then some. Oh, and of course, Queen and Bowie. David Bowie. It's kind of interesting how that came about. I think I'm going to talk about it in these facts. I have a lot of them. So let's just see if I mention it. If I don't, in my list, I'll come back and we'll talk about it some more. Despite the album's minimal sound, all the boys, again, pick up many instruments from acoustic rhythmic guitar to keyboards, synthesizers, and programming. A gem of a song came from an impromptu jam session. Aha. Yes, this is it. In 1981, where the boys kicked it with David Bowie and worked on People on Streets, which would become Under Pressure. And the song was released as a single in 1981, more than six months before Hot Space would even hit the shelves. And David also provided backing vocals for another Hot Space track. I'm going to tell you later. What it is, I don't want to give away too much about any of the songs individually just yet. Though the version of that track never made it, reportedly because Bowie himself didn't care for it. It took the guys a bit longer to create and produce this album due to social habits, especially in Munich, where they had a particularly good time. During the creation of this album, Queen renewed their contract with EMI for a further six albums, the title Hot Space is said to be inspired by, quote, inebriated late night conversation about the many musical open spaces the album contains, which were definitely hot, unquote. And that is from Queen As It Began, that little snippet there. Additional recording and or mixing locations include Atlantic Studios and Power Station. In New York City, the cover art concept by our dear Freddie, a very Andy Warhol-like design that perhaps represents the individuality of the boys and their distinctive roles. Because in 81, Freddie gave an interview with Melody Maker, and when they asked if there was any friction in the band, he responded, quote, no, not really. I think we know now instinctively what each other wants. We go our separate ways. We have four limousines waiting after each show and we just go wherever we want, unquote. Now, some took this to mean the guys couldn't stand each other and therefore the album art reflects their isolation from one another because you see drawings of their faces in four individual boxes, different colors. I don't think that's what we're doing here. I don't think that's what we're doing. The guys have always been incredibly distinctive from, from one another. There was never a time they ever said, oh, we're all the same person. They were always adamant that they were very different people. 
And that's why it was so difficult for them to work together sometimes. It was magic, yes, but it was also full of friction all the time. I think, so let's, let's put this into context here. Let, let, let's, let's think about the reality of the situation. At this point, the guys have been together for more than a decade. They've been touring forever. They've been everywhere. They've done all these things together. I don't think it's such a bad thing that they were necessarily in different cars going wherever they wanted because you spend all this time together. And at this point in your life, you're in your 30s, some of, you know, you're married, you have kids, you've got your life going on outside of Queen. Yeah, Queen was and still is for especially Brian and Roger this driving train that never stops, but they still have these lives independent of one another. I think that's all Freddie was really trying to say. That's one of those things that they took it way out of context, I believe. And that's very unfair because it just implies that the guys were at each other's throats and they were on the verge of whatever. We're going to talk about that some more. Where was I? You guys, I have so many facts about this. Okay, here we go. The album includes guest musician... Arif Marden, is it Arif? I don't know how to say his name. I'm so sorry. On horns. We have horns. We have brass. There are additional uncredited horn players. David Richards on piano and Agostino Solera on saxophone. Sax. I have to say this. Do you guys remember in the late 80s, early 90s, when every song on the top 40, like the Billboard top 40, had the word baby in it and always had a saxophone solo. <laughs> There's a perfect example of this. It's called Waiting for a Star to Fall by Boy Meets Girl. <laughs> I love that song. In fact, I was just listening to it the other day in the car. Yes, saxophone, Kenny G, come on. It was all about the sax. All right. Hot Space, even before its release in May of 82, the album had enough pre-orders to be certified silver and then gold in the UK. Under Pressure was at number one in Argentina in early 82, right when a conflict between England and Argentina broke out over the sovereignty of the Falkland Islands. The Argentinian government was so upset by the charting song, Under Pressure, <laughs> they banned Queen from appearing in Argentina and banned their music while the conflict continued. Okay. The boys had a brand new lighting rig again for this tour and would play in America for the last time as their original lineup when they appear on SNL to play a crazy little thing called Love and Under Pressure. Let's just pause for a moment. On that fact, it's the last time they played in the States, you guys, in 82, the very last time. They never came back. And there's a reason for that. We'll talk about it when we get to that point. You guys know I cover everything as much as I can. Oh, and they even appeared on E.T., Entertainment Tonight. I didn't know that. In fact, I need to go and look that up. The boys played 70 shows on this tour. Boston gave them a huge welcome, handing them the keys to the city. Queen appeared on top of the pops for the first time in five years, showcasing Las Palabras de Amor, the words of love, 
And for the first time, Roger gets an A-side single release with Calling All Girls. There's the rare Freddie John co-write, Cool Cat. And it's been written that Michael Jackson once cited Hot Space as a major influence while he was recording his album, Thriller. I want to talk about this. All right, so the timing of everything. Thriller came out not long after Hot Space did. And I've read that Thriller was being written and worked on for quite some time before Michael was in the studio with it. Now, he could have been in the studio recording, and I suppose he was inspired by Hot Space. But people directly, they say that. They say Michael Jackson cited Hot Space as an influence. I couldn't find that anywhere. I couldn't find that anywhere. And if I'm wrong, send it to me because I could not find in any place where Michael himself said, oh yes, hot space was an influence. I think maybe people are taking his love for another one bites the dust, which when, when he and his brothers were watching Queen perform in, in, was that LA? I don't remember anymore, but they were watching Queen perform and then they were talking backstage and Michael said, you need to release that as a single. He was a fan of that song. He was a fan of, of Queen, at least in, in that respect. So I think maybe people are, are confusing that with the album Hot Space and saying, oh, Hot Space influenced Michael Jackson. I'm not saying it didn't. I'm just saying, I don't think that's a proven fact. That's all I'm saying. So everywhere you read that, suspect, suspect. <laughs> I wanna know if it's real. Oh, and my last little fact, when the boys flew into Milton Keynes during the tour, it was Freddie's first helicopter ride, and he was terrified, <laughs> terrified to take that ride. Poor boy. Now, they actually rode helicopters into tours after that, so I think he got over his fear, at least enough to ride in and make a grand entrance, which I think is fabulous. So let's break down Hot Space. Let's talk about this album. Let's talk a little bit more about the style, about the songs. An enjoyable and addicting dance album that's perfectly bright and fun. Overproduction and elaborate arrangements are entirely absent as the boys dive deeper into stark and minimal arrangements. Hot space contrasts edgy, to the point, assertiveness with deeper reflections. Brian dives into sensuality and social issues with dancer and put out the fire. Freddie is full-on sex with staying power and body language, but sensitive in Life is Real, song for Lennon. John bops impressively with back chat and smooths it out in Cool Cat with Freddie, actually. And Roger, perhaps surprisingly, offers warm, encouraging numbers, action this day, and calling all girls. So whether we're dancing or reflecting, the boys' penchant for memorable songwriting still shines. And of course, the ultimate treat, the one-off collaboration with the amazing David Bowie, resulting in the miraculous Under Pressure, a song so iconic, it transcends musical boundaries and wins new fans to this day. To slap the disco label on this wasn't as a thoughtless an incorrect move on many a critic's or even a fan's part. This album's fusion of rock and dance creates an atmosphere unique in Queen's catalog. Yeah, moments that glisten and shine and surprise. 
inconsistent and disconnected stories from everyone, the boys themselves, critics, supposedly other artists, et cetera, et cetera, confirm the making of this album and the release of it were likely some of the rockiest times the band experienced. Yes. A breakup may not have ever been in the cards. The critics love to exaggerate. But to say the boys weren't on the same page, maybe it is an understatement. Let's think about this. I do think they all agreed to go in on this. I mentioned that earlier that I think that no one felt slighted to the point where they were going to walk out. I don't believe that's true. But I do think there was a divergence here. There was a, well, okay, let's do this. I do think they were all in on it when they went in to do it. But there might have been a lot of hesitation there. And there might have been a lot of hemming and hawing over things. But it's that tension that may have shaped this album's aggressive tracks and resulted in the passionate, surprising musical excursions the boys take. Yes, it lacks the harder edge fans were accustomed to hearing. The starkness and the shift to heavier synth arrangements almost creates an alter queen ego. Perhaps they didn't break new musical ground here. I think a lot of people like to say that, that they broke ground. I don't think they did any of that necessarily. But what they did do was put the queen's spin on dance music. And that makes for a very interesting, fun, and satisfying experience. I really, really like Hot Space. I can bop to this so easily. It's a lot like the game to me in its replay factor, its replay value. I can listen to Hot Space over and over again, and I don't ever get bored with it. And there are many moments, I was just listening to it again, of course. There are many moments where I'm reminded of earlier tracks and earlier brilliance the guys have given us. It's just a different spin on it. This is still queen. Absolutely. I think to say that this sounds nothing like them is a big exaggeration and it's entirely incorrect because the staple of Queen is still here. Freddie is as aggressive vocally as ever. And we get some touching melodies from him too. His expression, the way he works his voice here is very impressive and we'll get into all those details. Falsetto, hello. Brian is giving so many rockin' riffs and bluesy breakdowns. It's ridiculous. It's still there. It's different, but it's there. Roger's brilliance is there too. Yes, we have drum machines. Yes, they are there. But his arrangements, distinctly his, still there. And John, that bass is unmistakable. It's still there. This is very much a Queen album and one that I, I don't just like it, I love it. I love Hot Space. I'm not going to tell you where I'd rank it because I never rank albums, but it's easily something I will go back to and listen to. It's easy to listen to. And I think it's really easy to like it. Maybe not at the time. I, I'm sure that if I had heard this, I try to put myself in that headspace. If I had heard this when it was released, if I had been the same age as the guys and I'd followed them since their, their beginnings, and I heard this, I would have been surprised. Knowing me, I would have loved it anyway because I like dance music. But I may have thought to myself, the timing is bad. 
Because by the time they dropped this, disco was out and anything that was perceived as it was also out. Now, there's a particular comment in the, what was it? The Days of Our Lives documentary, I think, where Roger was saying that the idea was to make, and he's talking about the style of music. He said the idea was to make music that sounded like it could have been in a gay club at the time. And he didn't want to do it. And it was all about the music. That's what he was talking about, was just the style of the music. I don't want to do it. This, this isn't us. I don't want to do it. So I think he's been one of the most vocal about not wanting to go down this road. Even though, yeah, I still think they kind of came to an agreement. Okay, we're going to do this. But secretly, deep down, or maybe not so secretly, some of them were always opposed to this idea, what they were doing. It fascinates me that Roger, who, by the way, gave us, really gave us the first foray into dance music and disco, quote unquote, in general, in Queen, with Fight from the Inside and then Fun It. I love them both. He gave us both those numbers, easily Queen's first dance-like tracks, and yet he is the one here who is so vocally against this style. It's fascinating to me. I'd love to dig into that deeper and get his thoughts and his sentiment behind the shift in that style and why. I read another comment from Brian, too. And I forget where it was. I think it was Brian. He was saying something about, yeah, how Freddie was so deep into clubbing at this point in that lifestyle that he, he wanted to bring that style of sound and music into what they were doing. And so Freddie was definitely all in with it, of course. But it's interesting how my ideas around, my thoughts around how the guys must have thought about this have changed. Obviously, Brian looks at it as more of an experiment because the guys always get bored before anyone else does. I, I remember him saying that in that interview with Roger in Vienna. He said, we get bored before anyone else does, so we change it up. And they talk about the approach of the album Hot Space and how they produced it differently. And how Mac came in and said, well, no, you can mic like this and you can achieve this sound. And they thought that their older records actually sounded quite antiquated at the time. And that what they were doing in that moment with Hot Space was very forward thinking and very modern sounding. Now, if, if I were to tell you what I think about the quality of the sounds of the albums now, I would tell you, oddly enough, I think Hot Space sounds dated and albums like A Day at the Races, Night at the Opera, you know, News of the World, the triad, the golden triad, maybe, those sound more timeless than Hot Space does. It's interesting how the perspective changes, you know? And I don't know what I would have thought if I had heard Hot Space on its release date again, if I'd been the same age as the guys and I'd heard it. And I, I don't know what I would have thought at the time. I do think I would have enjoyed it very much so if I didn't really love it. But it's just interesting, Hot Space, how it divided fans, it did divide the band. And 
I don't want to get into too much detail because I'll talk about this at the closeout of Hot Space, but the guys did take a little breather after they were done touring Hot Space. I think they knew they needed it because of what they'd all been through making all this music together all of these years, touring for all these years, going through all these things and getting to a point where, okay, maybe we should take just a break and reassess. There's nothing wrong with that. And of course, the press love to write, oh, Queens on the rocks. <sighs> anyway, hot space, polarizing. And I think we can come to the conclusion that is not a hot mess. No, it's not a hot mess. I would say hot space is definitely hot. And we're going to talk about some numbers that are particularly hot. If you thought some of the numbers we talked about before were intense and sensual, I don't think they have anything on what's coming up on Hot Space because it's never been so in your face. Blatantly obvious what we're going to get into, but that will be the next episodes, ladies and gents. So, that is your intro to Queen's 10th album, 1982's space. Follow along with me. Dive into these songs. I challenge you, if you're not a huge fan of Hot Space, I challenge you to dive into these songs with me. Listen to them from start to finish on a good set of headphones, and then we'll go through these dives together. And I anticipate that I too may have some changes of heart as we go through these numbers. But that'll be next time. Keep yourselves alive. I'm so glad to be back. I'm going to start digging in. We're going to dive into the deep end with hot space. All right, guys. I'll be back and have a good one until then. <laughs>